against each other during the week on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. And then you go to New York and the Mets and the Yankees, they get to play on the weekend and they're only five miles apart. Nonetheless, hey, we've got the battle for the Ohio Cup going on tonight at Progressive Field in Cleveland. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds on tonight's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Tell you one thing, if you don't want to sit back and listen to who the president is going to talk about as his new Supreme Court justice, then kick back for the next hour and listen to Mark and I talk about what's going on with the Reds and the Indians. And in order to do that, we've got to bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue, to talk about the Reds. And Mark, it's so far it's all Reds in the first game of this three-game set. They're up 4-1 to one here tonight. Yeah, but given recent history where the Reds have lost three games when they've been ahead going into the eighth inning and seven to two twice they lost games, uh, I, I'm, I don't have a lot of uh, hope right now, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens later on. So when, when you when you root for a team that this far behind, uh, you learn to control your disappointment and, and measure expectations. So, um, And it's it's always interesting when I hear you talk about the Indians and complain. And I, I, all I say is, Dave, I wish you were in my shoes. Ah, uh, well, the Reds are fifteen or fifteen games behind uh, in last place in the Central, but they've been playing some outstanding baseball as of late, Mark. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. The Indians, though, they're on top of their division. But what has got me about the Indians is the fact that they just seem to be coasting. It's a team right now that has got the biggest lead of any divisional leader in Major League Baseball out of the six divisions. The Indians have the largest lead. But, Mark, it, they're playing like it. They're playing like a team that knows they're going to win the division, and they can afford to lose games here here and there. And that's what bothers me about this team. It, it's almost like they think they can turn the switch on any time they want, and that's bothersome. Dave, be realistic here. You are playing in the worst division in baseball. That's the you point. You are playing in a division that may be one of the worst in the last 20 years. I was looking at the numbers. It's incredible. I mean, it, that is a horrible division, and you can't expect the Indians to go undefeated against anybody. But you've got a 15-game lead. You're going to win the division by 30. No, we've only got I, a nine-and-a-half game lead. Oh, I'm sorry. God. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was 15. Uh, uh, you must be depressed. I am. I, I am. I'll bet you'll have a – you're going to win this division by 20 to 22 games. And it, there's there's no reason why the Indians have to go out there and go undefeated. They're going to make the playoffs. They're, they're – this is a veteran team. They know what they have to do. They're being very mechanical about it. And, yeah, they're going to lose games from time to time. But uh, I see no reason with the depth of that pitching you have that there, there's any any cause for concern with the Indians. I think they have, you know, I think they have every, they got to be in the top four. I, I don't know who you would, how you would rank them in the top four. But you got to be Houston. It's got to be Chicago. 
maybe the Yankees and, and the Indians all mixed in there with the Red Sox that far behind. So I, I, I don't know what you're complaining about uh, other than when a team's that good, you got to find something to complain about. Well, it, it's a, just the attitude that they've been playing with lately. I mean, uh, what what attitude? Give they, me some tangibility they, about that attitude. They don't seem to be into ball games, Mark. I mean, you you've seen it here this evening, where they have they have well, not tonight so much, but against Oakland over the weekend, they they played sloppy defense. Jason Kipnis at second base has been a disaster over the last two months. He's a guy that I think they have got to move off second base. Now, there's been a lot of talk that Manny Machado is the guy that the Indians want to bring over. Now, one thing that I did not realize, Mark, and lends credence to the fact that the Indians might be able to get Machado, is the fact that his brother-in-law is Yonder Alonso, and they are very, very tight. And if Machado had his druthers, from what I understand, he'd rather go to Cleveland and but the problem is he doesn't want to play third base. He wants to be the shortstop. Now he's nuts if he thinks he's going to take Francisco Lindor's position at short. He should just go to third base, play that for the rest of the year. If he comes to Cleveland, they can move Kipnis off second, move him into right field if they have to. But you've seen what I've been talking about with Tyler Naquin for the last two years. Naquin made an outstanding catch tonight against the Reds in right field. And I don't know how you take him out of the lineup. Well, again, I think the, the issues that you have, you know, in terms of picking on the Indians, uh, it, you're, you're kind of searching here. And uh, I don't see a lot of weakness. You know, Kipnis, is not, Kipnis has never been a good defensive second baseman. He's been average. So if he's, you know, getting a little older and slowing down a step, not as quick, whatever, I, I can see going out and getting a second baseman. And the guy that makes a lot of sense for you is, is Scooter Jeanette. I mean, if you had Scooter Jeanette to that to that team, my gosh, it would be <laughs> it would be a juggernaut offensively, and he's playing very good defense, by the way. Oh, I agree. So he, he's I think he's underrated as a as a defensive player, and uh, you know the the Indians I don't think have a, a lot to worry about. Uh, you, what, what's what's scary is when a team wins by twenty twenty three games. You know, you, can you turn it on? And that used to be, you know, back in the, the big red machine days, the Reds won a lot of divisions. And then they get into the playoffs and couldn't win the World Series before they won in 75. And that was always the complaint. Well, you know, they, they play great ball through the year, but come playoff time and, you know, they, they fall apart. So that's always a concern when a team doesn't, uh, you know, keep the, the pedal to the metal. And if you remember the last, I forget, Exactly the years, but the last three or four years in the playoffs, or three or four World Series champions, those teams have come from the wild card because they barely made the playoffs. They had to grind it out to the end of the season, and they upset a lot of teams that were favored in the World Series in the playoffs. Well, you just saw an instance right now where Billy Hamilton stole second base. Jan Gomes' throw went into the outfield. He threw it to the right field side of second base. And where is Jason Kipnis? Nowhere to be found in backing up the bag. That's a fundamental play that every second baseman learns from Little League on up through high school and into college ball. And Jason Kipnis is nowhere near backing it up. The throw went into center field, Mark. 
Billy Hamilton took third easily and then came home on a base hit by Shebler. Now, certainly he probably would have scored from second on the base hit by Shebler, but nonetheless, that's just one of the things I'm talking about with Jason Kipnis. Well, are, you watching, are you watching the game? Yeah, I am. Okay, you saw what Kipnis just did. <laughs> yeah, as far as not backing up second. No, no, he just made an error. All right, Bob. Oh. An error. Yeah, I guess it is an error. Yeah, I'm a few seconds behind because I'm watching it online here tonight. But nonetheless, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about. The All-Star game is set for next Tuesday night. Uh, A couple of snubs that we're going to talk about here this evening on in uh, the National League and the American League. We're going to talk about one of the Indians' bright prospects and how he's playing a power play with the Indians right now in Francisco Mejia. But, Mark, the two games that the Reds lost in Chicago over the weekend, on Saturday and Sunday, those were crushing defeats the way that this team has been playing. And looking at some of the the uh, articles and, and some of the uh, social media, the Reds fans were basically blaming Jim Riggleman for both losses I don't know how you could blame Riggleman. I mean, this team has been playing some pretty good ball ever since the C- ever since he took over. Yeah, they, they had a chance to win both those games, and uh, there'll, there'll be a time as this team continues to develop and they get better and better and better that uh, they, they'll win those games uh, because they should have won them. But you, you know what, what's happening with the Reds now is their bullpen's getting beat up, and they have they, they traded uh, Floro, and they, they really needed him this weekend in Chicago. They had nobody to come in and, and and pick up you know pick up the innings. So um, you know the Reds are in that transition period. Uh, they're a much better team now than they were at the beginning of the season. I think they'll be better yet at the end of the year. Uh, and going into next year, they, they you know they have a chance to be a, a contending team next year. Now, if they can pick up one or two more pitchers, and uh, both in the bullpen and in the um, uh, the starting rotation, uh, you know they're going to have a chance to win. So the, the, I think Red fans right now, they want to go into 2019 with a legitimate chance of being a contender. Not an odds-on favorite to win it, but to compete against Milwaukee and St. Louis and Chicago. And what I've seen of the Reds in the last 30 days, I think they're there. If they're not there, they're very close. If I had one complaint about Jim Riggleman in that weekend series with the Cubs, and this is the only complaint that I had, You'll probably remember the situation on Saturday. Uh, I believe it was the fifth, it might have been the sixth inning, uh, that uh, Michael Lorenzen came up to the plate with a runner at first base, one out, and Riggleman had Lorenzen bunt with Billy Hamilton on deck. I, I think I would have rather had Lorenzen go ahead and take a shot there instead of bunting and giving up the out and letting Billy Hamilton with two outs try to drive home that run. You know, I remember that play, but there's a couple other plays recently that I just don't understand statistically. You've got Billy Hamilton on first base with one out, okay, or no outs. And this happened three times in the last week. This guy has a 92% stealing rate. Why are you bunting the next hitter with Hamilton on first? Give him a chance to steal. I mean, he's a make it nine He's going to make it nine out of ten times. That means you have then three opportunities, or two opportunities if there's one out, to get him home in a single. I, I, that just doesn't make sense to me. 
Well, the Reds are 39 and 51 going into tonight's ball game. As we said, they're in last place, 15 games back, but they're only two and a half back of the Pirates in fourth place, who are 41 and 48. The Brewers are leading the division at 54 and 36, a game and a half in front of the Cubs, who are out in San Francisco tonight. Meanwhile, as we talked about the Indians, they've got the largest lead of any team in divisional baseball. The Indians right now leading the AL Central with a 49 and 39 record. They're up by nine and a half games over the Twins. And Mark, you're, you're right. I mean, this Central Division in the American League, it's cyclical, but this year it's the Central Division in the American League that is poor. The Twins are 39 and 48. They're the second place ball club. Then you've got the Tigers who are 40 and 52, and they've really gone downhill ever since Miguel Cabrera went on the DL for the rest of the year. The White Sox are 30 and 60, and the Royals, Mark, the Royals just three years ago won the World Series. This year they're 25 and 64. I mean, they're an unbelievable 29 games below 500 and in last place in the AL Central Division. You're, you're right. It's a pathetic division. Yeah, but think of all the high draft picks that Central Division is going to get next year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot a lot to go by. You know, one of the things that I wanted to – Francisco Mejia, he is the so-called top prospect for the Indians. And Terry Francona talked about him earlier this weekend while the – the Indians were at home for Oakland. Right now, Lonnie Chisenhall, Mark, is on the DL again with that calf injury, and I've just about given up all hope that Lonnie Chisenhall is ever going to be able to play a full season in the major leagues. So the Indians have got a nice spot out in right field that Francisco Mejia could come up and play and prove his worth. And Francona admitted that the Indians have told Mejia this, that They've, they've had him playing three games a week in the outfield, three games a week at catcher, and they want him to come up and play right field. Mark, the kid won't do it. He won't come up and play right field. He wants to come up as a catcher, and his chances of being a catcher on the Indians for at least the next couple of years, with Jan Gomes having a pretty good season for the Indians, are slim and none right now. I mean, when you've got an opportunity to come up and play baseball at the major league level, you got to take it, no matter where you play. Well, this is an opportunity for the Indians to make a statement. I mean, they don't need that kid. Uh, they could use him. Uh, if he wants to stay in the minor leagues, then let him stay in the minor leagues. Uh, that, that's. I think that they give in to that kind of extortion. Uh, they're making a big mistake. And, and I, I think no matter what team he might be traded to, you were talking about you know him being traded to the Reds. Well, the Reds have Tucker Barnhart. And you know they're not going to sit Barnhart for that kid, but you know that that kind of stupidity starts with his agent, uh, and the agent ought to come in and kick him in the butt. And if that's truly what's happening, uh, you know that that's going to be a, a blight on this kid's record with other teams for a long time to come. And uh, you know, uh, I don't care how good you are in the minors, you're still in the minors. You're still a prospect. You're a suspect. You're not you're not a star by any means. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, Mark, for Terry Francona. To actually come out and talk about this situation, you know it's something that the the Indians organization is upset about. They've got every right to be upset about it. And again, uh, I don't know what this agent's thinking, but you know, <laughs> if 
if you've been in the minor leagues, some of these guys are down there for years and years and years, and they would do anything to come up and play. And this kid's getting some very, very bad advice. And uh, I, I guess he's, I guess he's a potential all-star quality catcher. I don't know, uh, but uh, that's that's just being stupid and uh, somebody not managing his career well. Now let me play devil's advocate here. What's the difference between, other than being a major leaguer and a minor leaguer, what's the difference between what Manny Machado is telling everybody? And what Francisco Mejia is telling everybody. Oh, there's a huge difference. Manny Machado is an all-star. He's been in the big leagues for a long time. He's earned his stripes. Uh, if he wants to play shortstop, he's, he's earned that right. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He's gonna, he's gonna sign, somebody's gonna sign Machado to a lot of money. You know, Machado has potential Hall of Fame credentials uh, at this early stage in his career. But when you're a minor leaguer, what's a kid, 21 years old down there? Yeah. And you're, and you're dictating to the organization where you want to play? <laughs> I would tell him to go pound sand. Yeah, good luck, good luck. Now on the other side of the coin, down in Louisville, look what's happening down there with Homer Bailey. They're moving him into the bullpen. Long overdue. And, you know, he could be, he could be effective in the bullpen. Uh, you mentioned this a year or two ago. You know, why not, you know, he can still throw 95, 96, and if he's coming out of the bullpen, and maybe I see him as a setup guy. Uh, he, he could come in. He, he's, he's got experience. Uh, he's not going to be intimidated by a tough spot. And uh, you know, I hope he looks at this as, you know, I'm sure he wants to get back and be a starter, but uh, you know, putting him in the bullpen, I think is, is good for him and good for the team. Oh, I do too. You know, and and it's something that if you could get him, Mark, to be the setup guy for Iglesias then you, that totally changes the Reds' pitching staff. Totally changes it. Well, it gives him some length and depth, and that's that's what you need with him. To, you know, to, he could throw more than one inning, obviously. So that's hopefully what he's thinking about. And you know, I'm sure he doesn't like that idea. On the other hand, it's probably the quickest way he's going to get back. The red starting rotation has not been bad in the last month. No, it hasn't. And, uh, it's, in fact, they have the lowest ERA in the you know West or in the NL Central uh, for for a while, and uh, you know I, I think they have a chance to to win some games the second half of the year. What I'm afraid the Reds are going to do is break this team up uh, right now and get rid of some guys that could help them down the road. Uh, the rebuild at some point has to stop. You have to say, okay. We've got a second baseman, we got a third baseman, we got a shortstop, we got a first baseman. What they need, I think, is one more consistent power bat in the outfield. And that's if they get that and pick up a couple pitchers, you know, this team, this team's going to be okay. So what do you do when the trade deadline's coming up? I mean, they've already talked to Dick Williams. He says the recent success that the Reds have had is going to play uh, some sort of havoc in what he decides to do with the trading deadline coming up in just three weeks? I don't think the Reds are going to do much. Uh, I really don't. Uh, the, the only thing that was intriguing to me was a, a report out of Boston that the Red Sox were looking for Joey Votto. Uh, or, or that they're looking for a, a bat. And somebody said, well, I wonder if the Reds would let Votto go. And I would. I think Vado's my favorite player. But, you know, Vado is a guy who could move into Fenway Park and dominate at Fenway Park. My gosh, 
green monster and his power to left field, you couldn't get that guy out there. And But now the question is, what do you get back? And if you don't get a lot back, you're still going to have $25 million a year coming off your, your payroll. You can do a lot with $25 million a year. And they, is there, the Reds have some bats that can move in to first base? Yeah, they do. You could put Winker at first base. That might be a good position for him. Uh, with his, he's got a great swing. He's never going to be a Joey Votto, I don't think, but he can be a very productive hitter. So, unless the Reds pull off a deal like that, I don't see them doing a lot beyond something like that. Do you think they'll keep Matt Harvey? Um, I hope they do. Uh, again, you know that would be a a trade that would certainly uh, help the Reds. And, and they got they, they got a good pitcher for not a lot of money, <laughs> or not a lot of uh, player value in Mesoraco. Excuse me for the scoff, David. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Reds might trade him. Uh, I, I hope they don't, but uh, you know, it, it makes sense that they would. Well, I mean, being a free agent at the end of the year, are they even going to be able to afford him if he continues to pitch the way that he has pitched? Yes, but if you keep him, if you don't trade him, and he does sign with another team, you're going to pick up a high draft pick. So you got to get something in a trade that would be better than a draft pick. And that should be a usable, you know, reliever or somebody, you know, that can come in and help your team next year. Mm-hmm. Well, the Indians right now, they've got a problem with their pitching staff. They don't know what to do with Josh Tomlin. Uh, the guy makes five and a half million dollars a year. They don't necessarily want to DFA him, but it seems like every time he comes in, Mark, and pitches, the Indians have a tough time keeping the ball in the ballpark. He is basically uh, a batting practice pitcher right now for the Indians. And Zach McAllister is becoming the same way. McAllister looks like he's got all the talent in the world coming out of the bullpen. And for some reason, this guy just cannot and has not over the last, I'm going to say close to 10 years, Mark. It's been I mean, he was back with the team back in 2008-2009 as a starter. They moved him into the bullpen when Francona took over the ball club. And he just has not been able to develop a second pitch and has never been able to spot his fastball where he wants to put it. And that has been his downfall. When he has come in and been able to get his curveball over, he's deadly to hit. But when he can't get that curveball over and the batters can just sit back and wait for the fastball, he he's dead on the mound, to, to put it that way. So, I mean, it's a situation where the Indians have got to, got to take care of two two spots, and the bullpen is not a very good situation for the Indians right now. Yeah, I saw that their ERA is 514 out of that bullpen. And, you know, we were just talking about Homer Bailey. What about the Indians picking up Homer Bailey? Uh, to be that bullpen guy. No. No, never happened. Too much money. It, it will never happen. They will never bring in a bullpen guy at $25 million a year. Right now they're paying $9 million to Andrew Miller, and Andrew Miller is on the DL and probably will stay on the DL through the month of July. He's still got a right knee problem, and that's his plant leg when he throws off the mound. They are being very, very cautious with him. 
as far as bringing him back. They'd like to bring him back around the first or second week of August, so he's got about six weeks to prepare for the playoffs. But they'll never bring in home Revealy with that contract. Well, I'm not thinking of keeping him in the bullpen forever, but if you get him in your in your team, uh, and then you have him as a potential starter next year. It never happens. Who's Homer Bailey going to replace in our starting rotation? Well, number one, you need Tomlin to go. Uh, well, he's not in the rotation three. anymore. Well, I know, but if he's going to, who are you going to have next year? It'll be the same five that we've got this year, plus plus uh, Prunty coming up from the bullpen. You probably got Brady Aiken coming up. It'll be the same bunch. We're, these guys, these guys are with the Indians for the next three years. They're all tied well, up. I'm, I'm looking at your bullpen, and it's the worst in the league right now. Right. Uh, you're, so you, you've got to do something. And uh, if you're looking for a weakness to pick at on this team, that's where you, you, you have to go. Oh, absolutely. Is, but they will never bring in a pitcher like Homer Bailey with that contract, of, well, no matter the, what. The contract, the contract is negotiable, number one. You know, would the Reds pick up part of it to get rid of Bailey? They might. I'm looking at the Indians shoring up the weakest part of their team, and, and you're always complaining about they're not going to win 3,000 games this year. Well, if you want to improve the winning percentage, you've got to improve that bullpen. Well, here's the other problem. Why would I want to bring in a headache like Homer Bailey? Well, hey, <laughs> the guy's pitched two no-hitters, and he's a he's a proven entity in, in, in baseball. Where else are you going to go get a, a guy? Tell me who you're going to go pick up. Um, there, there's pitchers out there that are going to be available to ask me off the top of my head right now without looking them up. I don't know, but I can tell you right now, Homer Bailey with a $20 million contract is not coming to the Indians, period. How about, how about for $10 million? No. You're going to tell me that you're going to, you're actually going to pay, I mean, literally you're actually going to pay a Homer Bailey more money than an Andrew Miller, who right now... Mark uh, is the third highest pitcher, uh, salary wise, on the Indian staff behind Kluber and Carrasco. I wouldn't, but I'm looking at what the Indians can do to make the team better, and it's got to start with a bullpen. We both agree there. Yeah. And I'm I'm just questioning where you're, you're going to get that help, because you're going to have a lot of competition of other teams like Boston and New York and other teams, you know, looking for pitching. Well, right now, Zipchinski has, has pitched pretty well. Otero is into the ball game right now. He's been up and down. You're right there. Uh, I'll tell you what, Oliver Perez, been a great find for the Indians out of that bullpen. If you, if you try to rely on Oliver Perez going into the playoffs, you guys are nuts. People used to say that about Jesse Orozco, too, and he saved two World Series games. Yeah, it, it, this is not Jesse Orozco. <laughs> I, I've seen this guy pitch this year, and if you, you just can't rely on this guy. I mean, he's uh, at one time he was a very effective pitcher, particularly when he was with Pittsburgh, but uh, those days are long gone. And if you are serious, if you guys are serious about winning the World Series, and I, I don't mean just getting into the playoffs, I mean competing against Houston and trying to win the, the, the American League pennant, that's a team you got to beat, in my opinion. So in terms of how you improve, it's got to be with your bullpen. Mark, to be honest, the only guys that I would want from the Reds from their bullpen is obviously Iglesias and maybe Garrett. Maybe. Well, Garrett, 
He's been very inconsistent. I, I'd be careful what you wish for. I mean, his numbers aren't bad, but you can't depend on this guy. Uh, he'll come in, and, and like the other day, he struck out the side in the seventh inning, gave up three runs in the eighth. So that's what you have to be careful with him. I, I think he's too inexperienced to help a team like Cleveland. Well, and that that may very well be, but, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, as to what the Indians – I think the Indians are actually going to be more players at the trade deadline than the Reds are. I think the Reds' only move is to get rid of Matt Harvey. I think they will trade Matt Harvey. Yeah, I tend to think you're you're probably right on that. And that might be a good – you know, the trade, they, they spent very little getting. If you can get a, a top prospect back, plus – or – get a draft choice, you know, uh, because the that could be very effective looking down the road. You never know who you're going to get. But, and Matt Harvey has pitched well. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, he, he's throwing hard, and he's got great, great control. Uh, he got, the other day, he gave up two runs, or three runs. Only one was earned. I'm sorry, two were earned, but one of those two earned runs was a drop fly ball in the sun. Shevler couldn't see the ball and gave up a run. But he kept the Cubs down. I mean, he was he was overpowering the Cubs. So tell me, um, when when you look at that trade for Matt Harvey, and I haven't looked it up lately, and I'm I'm hoping you probably haven't either. How's Devin Mesoraco doing as a Met? He's hitting about two thirty. Uh, he's had some home runs. I think he's had seven or eight home runs. He had pretty much what you know. I'm sure the Mets would like to have him hitting two fifty, two sixty, and hit. 10, 12 home runs. He's not far from that. Uh, I like Devin. He's, he's a good kid, and I hope he has, you know, a good career over there. But, you know, the Mets, talk about a team in trouble. I mean, that, that's a team that that is in big trouble right now. And um, They can't keep last... anybody healthy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. I mean, everybody on that pitching staff the last year has been on the DL yeah. at some point. And it's it's hard to believe that. You know, you, you look back at what they had in Matt Harvey and Syndergaard, and who's their other stud over there? Um, you know who I mean. The, 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 the yes, yeah, DeGrom. Yeah, DeGrom. I mean, those guys were young and uh, powerful, and all this, you know, they were expected to lead the Mets to the promised land, but uh, I, I don't know what happens. It's It's been, for the last four or five years, the Mets, Pitching staff almost every year has been decimated. So, any complaints other than Scooter Jeanette with the starting the starting lineup for the National League? Uh, no, um, you know I think at that level to make the All Star team like Suarez, uh, he's so thrilled to be there. And think about that: a, a fifth place team in the division gets three guys. <laughs> Three other infielders going to the uh, to the All Star game. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, it, that's that's not not bad at all. You know what's interesting is um, you've got uh, Eugenio Suarez is leading the National League mark in batting. Now here's your. I'm going to give you two trivia questions tonight. Uh, all right. So who was the last Red to win the batting championship? Pete Rose. You're right. 1973. Yeah. And 
Suarez, I, I, I apologize, it's Scooter Jeanette leading the league in batting average. And, uh, Suarez yeah. is leading the league in RBIs. Who was the last Red to lead the National League in RBIs? George Foster. No. Yes. Eh, wrong. What? 1985. But wait a minute, wait a minute. 85. 85. Same year Pete broke the record for hits. Who was the stud on the team? Um, wow, you got me. That was, they didn't win that year. Nope. Uh, nope. I've got texts coming in, and nobody is right as of yet. 85. Who played uh, short? Uh, Barry Larkin? Dave Parker. Oh, yeah. Dave Cobra. Parker led yeah. the National League in RBIs in 1985 as a Cincinnati Red. He's the last one. Yeah. I, I found out, you know, I heard that last week. The Chicago Cub announcers were talking about that over the weekend. Uh, and then they talked about it tonight on, on the Indians game with the Indians announcers. And, and uh, I, I was surprised at that, too. That it was that long ago. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, well, I knew Foster. He, he did it in '76. I didn't know Parker did it in '85. I, I, I can't think through the '90s anybody the Reds had that drove that that many runs. So no, there there really there really wasn't. So Dave Parker, yeah, he won it. But Scooter Jeanette makes the All Star team. Joey Votto makes the All Star team. Suarez makes the All Star team. I mean, it is. I mean, a, a great job by the Reds to get them on there. Now, as far as the Indians are concerned, they got Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer as part of the starting rotation. Uh, the starting third baseman is going to be Jose Ramirez and Michael Brantley and Francisco Lindor have made the team. Uh, first time, Mark, and this is an interesting uh, little tidbit of information, first time that the Indians have had a shortstop make the all-star team three consecutive seasons. Now, I would have thought thought uh, Omar Vizquel would have done it, but the last one to actually do it three consecutive seasons was Lou Boudreau. Lou Boudreau. Lou Boudreau. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you remember watching him play, right? I Vaguely. I can, I can <laughs> vaguely remember it. Yeah. I was very, very young. You know, because he – do you remember him doing Cubs games? Oh yeah, broadcast. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he he was actually pretty good. But you know, but here here are the two snubs that I wanted to bring up tonight. These are really some head scratchers as far as the snubs. As far as the American League, you've got Blake Snell of Tampa Bay, starting pitcher. He is twelve and two on the season. A 2.09 ERA, which is first in the American League. Batting average against him, Mark, 183, and he's got 14 quality starts this year. He did not make the team. Now, somebody is going to get booted off with an injury or something. He'll probably make the team. But for him not to make the original squad, boy, you got to really wonder what they were thinking there. I didn't see. I thought they waited and added the pitchers later on. No, they got They've got the pitchers in there right now. 
Yeah, did they go with a 25 or, or 20 or 30 man roster? They went with a 28 man roster. 28, okay. Yeah. Matter of fact, here's the pitchers for the National League. I'll give you the pitchers for the National League to start out. Uh, Max Scherzer, um, Jacob DeGrom is in there, along with John Lester of the Cubs, Aaron Nola from the Phillies, Patrick Corbin of Arizona, Mike Fultonowitz of Atlanta, and I know I screwed that name up, Miles Mikolas of St. Louis, Josh Hader of Milwaukee, Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers, Sean Doolittle, Brad Hand, and Felipe Vasquez of Pittsburgh were all on the National League staff. Now, on the American League staff, let me buzz down to the, the American League pitching staff, they have got Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Garrett Cole, Jose Berrios, J.A. Happ, Trevor Bauer, Edwin Diaz, Joe Jimenez out of Detroit, Craig Kimbrell out of Boston, Araldus Chapman of the New York Yankees, and Blake Trinan of the Oakland A's. That is the American well, that, League pitching staff. That American League pitching staff sounds a lot more ominous to me than the National League pitching staff. You've got some studs in that American League pitching staff. Yeah, well, Verlander is set to pitch on Sunday, so he's not going to be on the team. They're not going to let him pitch. So he was actually put on the put on the roster, but he was replaced by Trevor Bauer. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's that pitching staff. You, you think about that being on one team. Imagine that that pitching staff going out there. Yeah, you know, and the other thing that that hurts Mark is the fact that you've got to have a representative from each team. I get it. I understand it. You know, but this is an exhibition game. This game means nothing. Unlike when Bud Selig wanted to make it the home field advantage for the World Series. This game means nothing. I don't understand why you can't have, you know, hey, we, we've got this guy that deserves it. Uh, instead of 28 men, let's have a 30-man roster. You remember back in 1957 what happened with the Reds fans? I'm not even going to say what I'm thinking right now, but no. Okay. Well, for, for those fans who weren't around, which I know is most of you, uh, the, the Reds upset the apple cart back in 57 when the fans voted for all Reds players. That's right. Sure. I read about, yeah, that, I remember that. Okay. They started the entire Reds team, eight, eight, eight starting players. <laughs> and if you thought I could remember, uh, uh, Ed Bailey was the, uh, was the first base, or, uh, catcher. Ted Klazuski was at first base, Johnny Temple at second, Roy McMillan at short, Don Hoke was the third baseman, Frank Robinson was in left field, Gus Bell in center field, and Wally Post was a right fielder. And the Reds fans, that's one of the, the, the earlier times when they, when the fans voted, they stuffed the ballot box. And, the, you know, Major League Baseball went nuts. I mean, they were all having good years. The Reds in 57 were a tremendously power-laden team. And so there was some, you know, reason these guys were on it. They ended up, they, they only started seven of the guys. Uh, I think which one got benched, but, uh, and, but then they changed the rules. So it was, you know, that's, if you want to know why they added, you know, different rules to the all-star voting is because of Cincinnati Reds fans in 1957. Yeah, who was the commissioner back then? Gabe Paul, I think. No, Gabe Paul was never baseball commissioner. He Yeah, yeah 
think he was. No, he was never. No, he was never commissioner. I, I'll guarantee you that he he was not not commissioner. Let me let me look this up. Uh, okay. Gabe, Gabe Paul uh, was well, with the Yankees. The Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought he had a senior president of the National League or or, or one of those things. Um. All right. Let's see here. Um. Robert Moses. No. 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 That's oh. that's another. That's another situation. Um, boy, 19, 1957. Um, boy, you'd think it would just come up. You put in there, you know, 1957 baseball commissioner, and it does, doesn't come up. Um, so we'll, You can never we'll, trust Google. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's, the, that's the case. About it. Here we go. Commissioners in Major League Baseball. Uh, William Eckert. General William D. Eckert. Uh, was the... I got, David, I got bad news for you. What's that? Uh, the Josh, score just got, wor- just got worse. Josh Tomlin came into the ball game, so yeah, I understand that. I was going to talk about that. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he was the baseball commissioner, and I remember that. I remember reading about that because he did. He, re- he replaced a player or two, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, now they quit, they actually quit. Um, the fans voting for a long time. When did that get reinstated? Was it sixty nine? Uh, it wasn't that. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was you know, but it, the, the Reds made it the change, and uh, so it's pretty funny that uh, you know the Reds were the catalyst of all that. But, uh, well, you sure called it on Tomlin. Uh, he gave up a single, a home run, and just a line drive. Uh, up the middle, that was a great play by Kipnis, I think. Yeah, Peraza, I, but. I, I've got a feeling, Mark, um, that tomorrow he will be DFA'd. I, I really do, and that and that's unfortunate because you know the last three or four years, Mark, he has been a, a, an integral part of the Indians' rotation, especially two years ago in the World Series. If you remember, boy, he he pitched two very good games against the Cubs. Uh, when the Indians pitching staff was basically decimated without Bauer or Carrasco and Salazar in that World Series. They went into it with Kluber and basically, uh, Tomlin and that was pretty much it. I mean, they, they were able to pitch Bauer, but that was, that was the year that he got his pinky caught in the drone blades, remember? Oh yeah. He had blood all over his hand when he pitched, remember that? Yeah, yeah. And that, that was a problem and, and uh, of course, Ryan Merritt came in and was able to able to pitch a couple of games, and you know it was it was outstanding. But yeah, I think Tomlin, right now, his days are numbered as a Cleveland Indian. Somebody will pick him up and try to work through it. But uh, I think the Indians are going to have to to get out. Here's the other snub for the National League that I wanted to bring up. This one is it's almost as unbelievable as Blake Snell. Jesus Aguilar, the first baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers, leads the National League mark in home runs. He's got 23 home runs after hitting one today, and he's not on the All-Star team. Yeah, he, he was kind of a long shot this year to come out, but he's an incredibly powerful guy. Oh, yeah, former Indian. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I'm kind of glad he's, you know... Hooray for him! You know he's come up a long, a long way, and from the minor leagues, and um, 
nobody thought he was going to make the team. And here he is leading the league. Now, I don't know what he's hitting. His average was, was pretty low a couple months ago when, you know, when the Reds visited up there back in, I guess it was late May. Uh, but he's uh, he's got tremendous power. And that Milwaukee team, by the way, uh, don't underestimate that team in the playoffs. Uh, they're, they're pretty darn good. They are one of two teams, Mark, in the National League that Bleacher Report is reporting tonight that have the best opportunity of picking up Manny Machado. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're going to go for it, and... Uh, that, that, again, if that, I think they need another starting pitcher, um, you know, to, to fill that, that team out, but, uh, that's a dangerous team for anybody to play. And I, I think they're better than the Cubs. All right. Anthony Rizzo is going to be an all-star. All right. Anthony Rizzo is hitting 252 with 12 homers and 58 RBIs. Here's Aguilar's stats. Aguilar's hitting 299 with 20 homers and 59 RBIs. Explain that. Well, you can't. It, it's you know, that's the downside of a lot of the voting of the uh, of the All Star team in baseball. It's a popularity contest, and when you have a player like Rizzo in a big city, he's got a rep. And you know, I, I was watching him play this weekend and, and last weekend when the Reds swept the Cubs. Uh, his <laughs> His approach to the plate has changed in the last two years, and he's still, uh, you know, a fearsome hitter. But the the league has learned how to pitch to him, and I don't know if his bat speed's a little slower or whatever. But uh, he's not the hitter he was two or three years ago. But it doesn't matter in terms of all star votes. He's popular. It's a big city, and he's going to get a lot of votes. And uh, it's it's unfair. I have always said I would let the reporters do it. They see the players every day, and I wouldn't let a reporter vote for a team, you know, a player and the team he covers. But uh, on the other hand, I mean, some of these guys are uh, just getting a raw deal because uh, they don't play in big enough cities. Now wait a minute here. I'm gonna call you on this one. You would let the reporters. Vote for the All Star Game, but you don't want them voting for the Hall of Fame. That's right. Uh, that's a little hypocritical. No, I don't think so. I, I think on a, on a year-to-year basis, on a year-to-year basis, a player, a, 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 a writer who follows these guys every day. Now, you you can't tell me that that idea is a worse idea than having fans encouraged to stuff the ballot box. That that makes no sense. It, it takes away. Any now, credibility for making the all-star team when you have – today – Mark, what, what, what else is the public address announcer going to talk about in between innings? I understand. But from a reality perspective, yesterday on the Reds broadcast, they were saying go out and you can vote <laughs> ten times before the game and after the game and stuff the box and get these guys on. I'm not saying you're not deserving, but uh, that, that, that that's not a real way to measure – somebody's value and if, if you were trying to get the best 28 players in each league that would, would not be the way you would go out and fill out a roster no i agree and you're absolutely correct because it, it it's not right um but then again i i don't agree with the reporters voting for the hall of fame either well who, who are you gonna vote i think i think the players I think ex-players. I think anybody that's in the Hall of Fame should have a vote. 
Well, that's that, that's okay with me. That would be unfortunately a lot of them die. Oh well, yeah. And, I mean, you're not going to have a yeah, you know, or or put together a committee somewhat, you know. But I mean, when you've got Dan Levitard of ESPN who's voting for the Hall of Fame and he just puts it out on his Twitter account and wants people to vote for it for him. I mean, just how much, for crying out loud, uh, just how much uh, qualification do you need? Well, you can't have, um, <laughs> you're going to have a popularity contest with the players if they're voting. You know, like, should uh, Pete Rose get in the Hall of Fame. We go back to that old argument. I, I now say no, um, based on what he's done. But uh, you're going to have a popularity contest. Some of the older ball players, other players hated because they thought they were jerks or they had a bad run in with them during their career or whatever. There has to be a system better than the one that's in place. But the worst system of all is voting for the All Star teams in, in in both leagues. That just it, 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 it's it's a laughable way to do it. All right, final question on the Reds tonight. Do you think Jim Riggleman should just, they should just go ahead and give him a contract for next year? I wouldn't do it now. Uh, I would I would go through the front let let the season end. Um, you know, if he can take this team and get this team over five hundred during his tenure, I think he ought to be given a contract, a two year contract, and let him see what he can do. What is he? Six games over five hundred. Yeah. I mean, if that's and it'll be seven that, after tonight. Yeah, it, it, so it's a big turnaround. What do you think? I think just go ahead and do it. You know, there, there's a part of me that says just go ahead and do it. There's another part of me that agrees with you to go yeah. ahead and wait till the end of the season. But if you're going to wait till the end of the season, then do it the last week of the year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because what you don't want to do is give him the contract now, and the team goes into a tailspin. And, uh, you know, something bad happens and they, they just play terrible ball. It's going to really hurt ticket sales for next year. So, um, I'd leave the door open, get, get it to the end of the year. Uh, if you want to have a cursory look at other options, that's fine. But I, I think he would deserve it, uh, you know, based on what I've seen so far. The players really respect him. And it looks like, uh, you know, he has a real chance to stick around for a couple of years and give some stability to this team. All right, let's play a little game called Fake or Real. I'm going to throw out a team to you, and I want you to tell me if they are for real or if they are fake, a pretend contender, okay? Okay. All right, let's start in the National League because that's your that's your basic expertise. The Atlanta Braves, fake or real? I think they're real. Uh, they've got They've got good hitting. They've got decent pitching. They've got speed. They've got a good bullpen. Uh, you know, they're not real great at anything, but they remind me of Houston a couple of years ago, before Houston won it all. And uh, they're, they're, they're a solid, solid ball club. They're 50-39 and 39 right now and lead the National League East by a half a game over our next team, the Philadelphia Phillies. Fake or real? I think they're real. And I think those two are going to go down, you know, to the wire on the division. Now, you know, the problem is, uh, in that division, they're probably not going to get a wild card, uh, you know, given their records. They're only, what, 10, 11 games over 500 at this point. 
Uh, and I'm not sure that's going to get you a wild card at the end of the year. But uh, I think both those teams, I, Philly is really more surprising to me than Atlanta. I saw Atlanta coming a couple of years ago, but uh, Philadelphia, I mean, they got some they got some arms and they can hit. So, yeah, I think they're both real. All right. Fake or real, the Colorado Rockies? Uh, that team, I, I'd say fake. I, I just don't see that ballpark allowing the pitching staff to, to, to hang together for the entire year. Uh, I, I think they're going to get beat up. I, I, you know, the Western Division is winnable. Um, with the Dodgers playing as poorly as they're playing, they're, the Giants are, you know, not doing much. So they they can win that division. I, I'm not saying they can't compete. I, when you say fake or real, I'm looking at a team. Do they have a legitimate chance to get into the playoffs and do some damage? And I think the first two teams do. I just don't see the the Rockies or the yeah the Rockies being that team. Uh, it's interesting that you mention about their home field. Right now they are 18 and 22 at home. Mark, they're 28 and 22 on the road. All right, final National League team, fake or real? The St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're fake. Uh, I, I, I've seen them play enough times this year now that. Uh, I, I just don't say see them overtaking the Cubs. In fact, I don't think they're going to overtake Milwaukee or, or you know compete in the division. I think they're going to probably finish seven or eight games out. Um, so I, I don't see them as a um, as a force. Right now, they're seven and a half games out. Okay, let's move over to the American League. Fake or real? The Seattle Mariners. That, that's. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring that up. Um, I don't <laughs> see enough of them, but you know, to me, that team looks to be as good as any team in the West. Um, and again, if that's if you're looking for a team that can win the World Series, I don't think it's that team. Uh, so I guess I'd have to say fake, but uh, I think they have a real good chance to make the playoffs. All right, fake or real? The Boston Red Sox. Real. That team can hit. And that's the team, you know, you look around baseball and you say, okay, what team through the trade deadline can really, uh, you know, add some muscle? I think they need a bat and, uh, and they need a pitching, uh, some, some pitching help, although that pitching staff's pretty darn good. Uh, see, they have the money to go out there and get what they need. And that's what a lot of teams can't do. So, you know, in, in terms of what the Reds are capable of uh, uh, in, in the trades, uh, I, I think the Reds can offer – imagine a trade like this to Boston. Rissell Iglesias and Joey Votto oh. to, to Boston. Oh, yeah. Kiss the American League goodbye. Yeah. I mean, that's – now, what would the Reds get back? I don't know. But you ask, you know, about the Indians – They've got the money to go out and, and, and make a big deal like that that changes the entire dynamic of the American League. All right, two more teams, one in the National League, one in the American League. They won in the American League, fake or real, the Oakland Athletics. Uh, I think they're fake. I, I don't think that team has the depth uh, to sustain a run you know, in the second half of the year. 
Uh, I don't think they'd be a, a playoff contender, so I'd say fake. All right, final National League team. I held this one to the very last because they seem to be the ESPN story of the week. Fake or real, Mark, the Washington Nationals? Oh, boy. Um, I think they're real. I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to win the division. And I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs. Oh, because, you know, Dave, we've been saying this for the last, what, five years? That Washington is going to win the World Series? Yeah. I mean, you look at their roster, and it's how can you not with that pitching staff and and, and the roster they have and the, and the hitting? Yeah. I, I, I don't know how that team is capable of losing as many games as they have in the first half of the year. It's it's kind of shocking to me. Uh, and I don't know. It's not the manager. I mean, they've had so many managers in there now. Uh, it, it's hard to understand. But if I had to bet money, I would say the Washington Nationals are still a team to beat. Okay. What is the other story that we have always said along with the Washington Nationals for the last five years? There's been another story that has been parallel with it. I'll just go ahead and give it to you. How does Mike Sosha keep his job? Yeah, I knew you were going to say the Angels, and, and they, you know, they've had such such an unbelievable payroll, and, and, the, and the players they've had on that team, they've got Mike Trout. But you know, when do you make the decision that it's not working with Mike Trout? And what could you get from Mike Trout? Oh, oh, half a minor league system. You know, I, I don't know what the what the answer is. Um, for those te- those guys, but uh, that that team is um, is really surprising. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mark, off baseball, I got to ask you this question: Are you a Marvel movies fan? No. Okay. Well, I can tell you this right now: Ant Man and the Wasp. Go see it. It is great. It it is one of the better better Marvel movies that is available out there. So go see it. All right. I'll take your advice. <laughs> Movie critic. Dave Mitchell. Yes, and Outlander is back in October. When? when? October. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we are, one of our, our, our famous fans, the famous Linda Jordan, yes, uh, will be happy to hear about that. And, you know, I think that propels her stalking of us, you know, <laughs> that, that, that TV show. Yeah. Hey, got to say, got to say hello also tonight to the sports information director, at Mount St. Joseph University, Blake Watson, he's listening in tonight also. So want to give him a shout-out here tonight. Mark, what do the uh, Reds have going on for the rest of the week? Well, if they can get out of this game, it's now 7-3, to three, and nobody out, and a double now just by Gomes. Uh, so um, the, the Reds have the Indians uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, and then they're off, and they play the Cardinals in a three-game series in St. Louis before the All-Star break. And the Indians, they've got the Yankees coming to town Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hello, Bronx Bombers coming to Progressive Field. And then is the All-Star break. Mark, we'll talk more about it next Monday night. Have a good one, Dave. You too. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks for joining us here tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. That is going to do it here for this evening's program. And just want to let you know that we will be back Again, next Monday night at 9 o'clock to talk about the Home Run Derby and also who's going to start the All-Star Game coming up on Tuesday night. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody.